Thank you, and welcome to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and president of BBB Serving Western Ontario. And Linda, last week we looked at the top 10 scams of 2017, and we left the list with to be continued. So later on in the program this morning, we'll bring you the information on the remaining top six scams from Canada's uh, 2017 top 10 scams list. One important factor in preventing all scams is to protect your personal information. Making sure your password is effective and changed regularly is an important piece to that. BBB's Password Day is coming up and we'll help you prepare for that as well. We are already a third of the way through the month of March and RRSP contribution deadline for for 2017 tax year was March 1st. Ken Coombs is a certified financial planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Inc., Manulife Securities Investment Services, and he joins us this morning to talk about investing and the role that RRSPs play in our overall plan. Welcome to Ask BBB, Ken. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me back. RRSP, or Registered Retirement Savings Plans, have been around for a long time. In fact, a little research says the amendment uh, to the Income Tax Act allowing registered plans was made in 1957. Do people still wait until February to make their contributions for the previous tax year? Oh my, they, they absolutely <laughs> do. Um, the last week in February is traditionally the longest week as a financial professional. Um, most people don't act on things in, in general real life until they have a deadline set to it. So by saying March 1st was the last day, it sets off a mad scramble for people to collect their T4s and call their accountants, uh, see if they need to make a contribution to reduce their taxes, and then they have to try and find the money to make that contribution. So I guess that old uh, line that if it wasn't for a deadline, some of us would never get anything done. Exactly, is true. Yeah, yeah. So So is it a good time now to set up your contribution plan for this tax year? It's always a good time to start something. Um, I always recommend setting up a monthly contribution. Uh, the thought behind this is many fold. The first one, uh, first reason why is you won't really notice a small amount coming off your paycheck every month uh, going into your RSP. You won't notice that at least as much as waiting the last day and writing me a large check. Um, the other reason why there's a psychological factor in writing a check for thousands of dollars. Uh, it hurts to write that check for a couple thousand dollars or however much the amount is all, all at one point. Um, there's a, there's a name for it. It's called the pain of paying. So if we take away that pain of physically writing a check, you have less time to stress over how much money you have or don't have. Uh, next is the advantage of uh, what the investment world has dubbed dollar cost averaging. That's just a fancy way of saying uh, when you put your contribution in, you get a different price for the security or the fund that you're buying. So if the market is doing well, your $100 contribution won't buy as much. But if the next contribution comes in and it was a bad week for that fund, your $100 buys a lot more. Registered plans have a limit as to how much can be put into the account. And we also have tax-free savings accounts available to us. How do you decide which to use? Uh, The RSP limit for 2018, so for this current tax year, is about $26,000 or 18% of your annual salary. The tax-free savings account has an annual limit of $5,500, but it carries over each year. So as of now, you can put in over $57,000 into the tax-free account. Now, figuring out where to put your money uh, comes down to what your current tax bracket is and how far away from retirement you are. The idea behind the RSP is to defer taxes from now till when you're not working anymore and potentially in a lower tax bracket. 
your advisor would look at how much you pay now in taxes versus how much you'd pay when you retire. If it's a, if it's a significant difference, then the RSP would win hand down based on the, the, uh, t- the tax redu- reduction. Um, if it's close, uh, it might make sense for you to use a combination of the two to save a few dollars in taxes now and to save all the taxes by putting some into the tax-free savings account. So let's talk about the other end of the investment spectrum, Ken. Uh, Once you reach retirement age, how do you determine when and how much to take out of that registered plan? Okay. First of all, you're not actually required to start taking money out of your your RSPs until uh, age 71. So as soon as you stop working, you don't have to turn around and start taking money out of it. You technically have until age 71 to start doing that. Uh, so if you, for instance, have a company pension that you can start taking money from, you don't necessarily need the extra money. You can hold off on taking out that RSP uh, for a couple of years. Uh, but when you do start, however, you need to consider the facts that every dollar that comes out of there is taxed 100% at your current tax bracket. So there is a potential that taking out a certain amount of money may push you into a new tax bracket, which is a whole other show entirely. Um, so if you work with an advisor, they'd be able to help you maximize your income uh, per year and also minimize your taxes by structuring how and when you take money out of your accounts. Handling our investments is certainly one area where trust is paramount. Of course, we recommend people search the BBB directory to find accredited businesses and people to deal with. Beyond that search at BBB.org, how do we as consumers look for a financial planner? The first and best place I find to start your search is friends and family because there's, there's nothing more valuable than a recommendation from somebody that you already know and somebody that you trust. Uh, another great resource is the Financial Planners Standards Council. They're the, they're the ones who administer the CFP designation in Canada, which is, trust me, not an easy thing to get. Um, so they have a search tool on their website that allows you to find a qualified professional in your area based on what you're looking at investing in. Um, and it goes across the entire country. So if you plan on moving somewhere else, you can find a qualified professional where you're moving to as well. So you'll actually find me on there as well. Is it regulated? Do, do you have to have certain certificates before you can put your shingle out and say, I'll handle your finances? The last provincial budget did include um, wording that said that, yes, we are working towards having one set certification, and that would be the, the Certified Financial Planner or CFP designation. Because right now, if you work in the industry, you could pretty much call yourself a financial advisor or a financial planner, but not everything has a set structure or set um, studies that say, yes, this person knows exactly what they're talking about in this area. So if we move towards that world where the certified financial planner is the designation that you would need to require to be, to call yourself a financial planner, might as well start now looking for the people who already have that designation. have already dedicated the time and energy to getting that designation moving forward before it's required by law. Good advice. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Our guest this morning has been Ken Coombs, a certified financial planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Inc., Manual Life Securities Investment Services. And when we return, we pick up where we left off last week with the top 10 scams of 2017. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. And last week, we looked at the list of top 10 scams of 2017. And Reviewing that list will help all be a little bit more aware of some of the scams that are robbing Canadians of hard-earned money. Linda, how much are we losing to scams? Jim, Canadians lost over $95 million to scammers last year. 
and the focus seems to be on line scams. And we started uh, last week at number 10, fake invoices. We counted through number 9, shady contractors, number 8, advanced fee loans. Uh, where we pointed out that it's illegal in Canada to ask for an advance fee loan before giving a loan. And we concluded with number seven, miracle weight loss scams, before we said to be continued. So now we continue with the number six scam. Number, is, number six is the income tax scam. Oh, income tax. That's scary enough without the potential to be scammed as well. Well, this scam literally never goes away. I know we've talked about it before on the show, uh, but this year there's a new twist Many Canadians claim to receive threatening phone calls at all hours demanding payment of unpaid taxes or face arrest. The new twist on the scam is crooks are now asking for the payments in Bitcoin. Bitcoin is untraceable. Scammers direct their victims to the nearest Bitcoin ATM and give them instructions on how to send this type of money. The Canadian Revenue Agency, or CRA, does not operate this way. No government agency accepts Bitcoin as a payment. Bitcoin, and that's termed cryptocurrency, right? And cryptocurrency scams makes it on the list for the first time as well. It is number five on the top ten list. Well, I'll admit to you, Linda, I just don't understand the whole cryptocurrency concept. Cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and initial coin offerings or ICOs are speculative, high-risk investments that are mostly unregulated. While this technology and trading is in its infancy, it is giving rise to fly-by-night coin exchanges where investors receive little or no contact from the business and they have trouble getting their money back out. There are classic scams where the victim, as I just mentioned, is directed to use Bitcoin as preferred payment method instead of conventional prepaid visas. Again, paying in Bitcoin is virtually untraceable. Canadians lost over $1.7 million to scams involving this, involving this highly speculative digital currency in 2017, double from the previous year. To put it in perspective of the rapidly growing concern, in 2015, only 284000 was reported lost. Wow. So there is an elevated risk of fraud, uh, and the numbers this year are, are pointing that out. Manipulation due to the nature of cryptocurrency, some offerings may not comply with security laws and simply operate outside of them. So what's the takeaway here, Linda? Always seek professional advice when investing your money. Okay. The number four on the top 10 scam is? Employment scams. And it looks like there are variations on this one. BBB Scam Tracker logged over 100 employment scams across Canada last year. With over $5 million lost and again, likely underreported, this scam gets tougher to dodge as crooks use reputable websites such as Indeed and LinkedIn to attract their victims. According to Better Business Bureau's own risk report published by the Institute for Marketplace Trust, this scam will typically operate as a check cashing scheme. It is one of the millennials fall for most of the time. So remember... If you didn't apply for a job or, or get an interview for a job, you didn't get hired. No reputable company is going to ask you to cash a check and demand you send money back to the company or other employees. Good things to take away. Now the number three scam. Online dating scams. Ooh, how much was lost to this one? Over $19 million, up from $17 million the previous year. Canadians lost more to this scam than previous years, and without a doubt, 
There are many more victims out there that don't want to come forward. Better Business Bureau recently released a study about online dating scams. Over the past three years, it's believed North Americans have given away over a billion dollars to this scam. An estimated as much as 25% of online profiles are fake. This is a troubling scam on many levels. Uh, From those who are targeted, the trust that has been developed and abused, and the heartbreak associated with these scams. Not to forget the thousands of dollars that victims lose. Finding love can be a click away, but we must be vigilant in protecting both our hearts and our bank accounts. Always safely meet the person you are chatting with. Never send money to someone you've never met. If they seem way too eager from the get-go, it's a red flag. Great. Okay, now we're closing in on the top scams. The number two scam is? Wire fraud, spear phishing. Reported losses grew from number thir- from 13 million to 20 million in 2017. Consumers aren't the only ones targeted when it comes to scams. Canadian businesses lose millions every year to wire fraud, which is often called spear phishing. Crooks impersonate CEOs and company executives through emails in order to get accounts payable to shift money through wire or email transfer. These scammers do their homework and learn as much as they can about who certain employees are before casting their net. When businesses lose out, so do consumers and the possibility of increased costs. It's important for companies to safeguard themselves, build in payment redundancies when it comes to handling cash, educate your staff, to go over emails as if they were under a microscope. The shady emails often look like they are coming from your boss, but may have a minor change in the spelling. Well, that's something to have a look at. All right, we need a drum roll here. (laughs) What's the number one scam from 2017? Number one, online purchases. With over $13 million lost, another new addition to the top 10 list. Online purchase scams jumped to number one, According to BBB Scam Tracker numbers, several hundred Canadians reported this type of scam to BBB last year. Our numbers certainly align with the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre statistics as well. Problem is, there are several scams related to online purchases, from fake websites hawking counterfeit goods to delivery and refund of issues with third-party resellers to the ongoing issue with free trials or subscription traps. So there are the top 10 scams. took us two weeks to get there. And, of course, if you were a victim of any of those scams, that particular scam would be number one on your list. Thanks, Linda. Well, we always want to be alert to the possibility of scams, and protecting your information is one of the steps that we need to take. So when we return, we'll talk about the upcoming Change Your Password Day. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Linda Smith, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. And March has been declared Fraud Prevention Month by the Competition Bureau of Canada. So our next topic, Linda, really fits in. It does. Uh, The Better Business Bureau National Password Day runs in connection and conjunction with Better Business Bureau's National Top 10 Scams, which we just talked about. And uh, the Competition Bureau of Canada's Fraud Prevention Month are all launched in March. 
March 15th is the password day. When, when did all this start? This is the third annual BBB uh, password day. Uh, it's a day to protect consumers and businesses from online scammers and educate the public on smart password management. It's kind of like uh, the association of changing your batteries and the, the uh, fire alarms and all the other things. So if this day comes up, it's time to change your password. So you said it's on March the 15th? Exactly. And that's a great analogy. Uh, BBB password day, March 15th. We are encouraging people to take 30 minutes, 30 minutes on that day to change their online passwords, pins, passwords for a point of sales machines, social networks, emails, credit cards, and more. Um, The point of sales machines, that's businesses that want to change their passwords to get into that. Exactly. And we can look at our own pins and whether or not they should be changed too. How, how often do you think we should be changing our passwords, Linda? Well, I'd, we're asking with uh, National Password Day to do it at least once a year, but we actually suggest two to three times a year. Studies now show that by the end of the decade, the average person will have over 200 online accounts and subscriptions that contain sensitive information. Most of those won't be used much, but information such as passwords, emails, and even credit card data is still there. This is the reason why we you are using and encouraging strong passwords and encouraging folks to update them and why it's so important. So that account that you signed into, did you get that one little bit of information and you had to give them information to get it? You want to go through and find that one and whatever password you use and change it. So I see why we need 30 minutes at least to do that. Up to 200. That's incredible. Now, you said strong passwords. Um, What in your mind, Linda, is a strong password? A strong password uses at least eight characters, a combination of upper and lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. By using this combination, it will make the password more difficult to hack. We've talked about in the past uh, that a lot of folks use uh, passwords that they should avoid, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, but strong passwords are are always a combination, uppercase, lowercase, symbols, numbers. So you don't want to make it simple. You want to make it so that it's uh, something that's a a little trickier for you to understand and then uh, variations on it. What we, we, we've, when we've looked at this, we look at some of the passwords that people should avoid. We've talked in the past that the most popular password is the word password. <laughs> and so obviously now that we've stated that and we know that and we've studied that, please avoid using the word password as the password. Other ones to avoid, one, two, Three, four, five. Literally, that uh, is in, yeah. a, in eight digit <laughs> form. People use that sequence of numbers. And the other one, if you look at the top of letters on any keyboard, uh, you spell the word QWERTY, Q W E R T Y. That's another one that's very, very popular that should be avoided. And some of them are, are set as uh, standard passwords when you go into uh, accounts. Admin is another one that people will try. Yeah. Um, other things to avoid? Avoid using obvious passwords that people might guess. Uh, f- uh, avoid family names, your last name. Avoid using birthdays that people would easily affiliate or associate with you. Uh, those are easy to guess. Uh, make it complicated. Make it tough for someone to try to uh, access your accounts. And when you say don't use anything in the dictionary, you go, wow, there's lots of words there. Nobody guessed. But they have uh, algorithms that will go through every word in the dictionary till it clicks. That's right. And yeah. that's why we're encouraging people to incorporate symbols in their password as well as uppercase and lowercase. Yeah. Should you have different passwords for different accounts or use the same one? 
one? Well, with the average person having over 200 online accounts, we definitely recommend uh, having a variety of passwords, but you can't remember 200 separate passwords. So look at uh, a derivative of the same password. As an example, if you have the letter, letter I, why not choose one instead of the I? If you have an S, why not choose the symbol, the dollar sign? And if you have an O in your password, maybe switch that one out with the zero, the number zero. There's also uh, um, devices called uh, password managers. And these are uh, apps that you can download, keep on your cell phone, keep on your computer that actually have operate off one master password where you can store all of your passwords within it. And that's another option when you're maintaining and managing a variety of passwords. And of course, you want to change that master password from time to time. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, Linda. Well, that's Ask BBB for this week. Uh, In the meantime, remember to check check out BBB.org to look up a business, to file a complaint, to write a customer review, to report a scam, to read tips, and to follow us on social media and much, much more. And you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBB Western ONT. Are you interested in becoming a BBB accredited business? Call us or go online to BBB.org backslash Western hyphen Ontario and become part of one of the largest business networks in North America. And thanks this morning to Ashley Castleman, our communications manager, who has been our producer of today's program. That's BBB for this week. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Remember, ask BBB. And start with trust.